Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, a show about looking into the mirror of yesteryear and screaming. <laughs> I'm good. one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, I'm Dan Ludwig. I like how anytime I do a good job on I just... the intro, you congratulate me. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank, you, no. th- thank you for encouraging me, friend. This is a podcast about positive reinforcement, first and foremost. It's two guys with very fragile egos telling each other they're doing a great job. You, you're doing a great job, too, listener. You're doing a great job listening to this. Doing, I don't know, the dishes, walking your dog, whatever you're doing while... while uh, listen to this podcast and having our voices drown out your own thoughts. You're doing great at it, but we're proud of you. Breaking Mayberry officially endorses you today. God, this has gotten to, like <laughs> annoyingly wholesome. Marty, you and I have been talking for a long time about how we're going to take this podcast to the next level. Oh, there's, always. There's Every been single dis- day. Yeah, there's been discussions about, are we going to start doing advertising? Am I going to let you talk me into another live show? Are we gonna eventually going to get our selfish listeners to review us? <laughs> and I think I've cracked it. Okay. Uh, we're an unorthodox podcast, and we need an sure. unorthodox way of growing. And that's why I'm promoting the Breaking Mayberry ARG, or Augmented Reality Game. Now, for those of you unfamiliar... ARG was a, was originally invented in about 2008 to sell copies of Halo 2. But, <laughs> interestingly, it can be used for other purposes beyond selling copies of Halo 2. Essentially, you sneak clues into a bunch of media, and then people follow those clues, and then they solve some sort of mystery involving robots or time travel. So, I think we should we should do that. And we'll do the Breaking Mayberry ARG. I'm kind of envisioning it being like a thing of like, oh no, the podcast has become sentient and kidnapped Dan and Marty and they're sending clues and, and there's time travel. We'll work time travel in because I think, I think that's, that's hot. Thoughts? What are you feeling like? I'm feeling like you're the more of the ideas guy, right? You came up with this and I was like, all right, Dan's going to have a bit. And the more you talked, the more I realized Dan doesn't have a bit. Okay. So my, I'm thinking the way it is, is we just start putting like clues in the podcast and then we will go back and we'll like do an ARG that makes that make sense later. Yeah. So anyway, Dan, what I've been thinking about lately is the number 27. Yeah. Yeah. And just, it's, it's a great number. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it pops up from time to time and it just, I just, it's a good number. It might be my favorite number. I just been, think, just thinking about our favorite numbers. I've been thinking a lot about the filmography of Ted Danson, the treasure of the screen that and uh Darkwing duck now available on Disney plus and, uh, you know, the Grinch, just like a, a lot of, a lot of stuff. Just, it's a lot of stuff that all comes together. I think. Did I ever tell you that I was on national TV as part of an ARG? What? What the fuck? No, this this is a real life thing was that happened. Was it the Halo Two one? It was not the Halo Two one. It was actually for the Dark Knight. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Well, there was a Dark Knight ARG. There was a Dark Knight ARG. This is in let's see, probably two thousand six, two thousand seven, when they're working on uh, the Dark Knight and they're just starting promotions. Uh, and I went to Comic Con, mm-hmm. uh, the big one in San Diego. And I'm walking from, like, the bus station to the actual convention center uh, when a dude in a clown mask, mm-hmm. uh, like the, the clown mask that they wear at the beginning of The Dark Knight, hands me an address and says, boss wants to see you here. This was during, like, those good old days when if you interacted with a guy in a cr- uh, clown mask, it was intriguing and not just <laughs> a sign that you were probably about to be murdered by someone. I went to the address. <laughs> yeah. I said, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's in a, go. In a million years. Never now. Because it means you're about to be red-pilled or shot in the face. No, nah, dude. I mean, I feel like even in 2006, that was definitely a dumb move on my part. Uh, yeah. But I went to the address, which happened to be the park right across the street from the convention center. I'm standing there with a bunch of other Comic-Con nerds who all got the same thing. And then all of a sudden, someone points up in the sky, literally Superman style, except they stopped with, look, it's a bird. No, it's a plane, because it was actually a plane. 
a plane is skywriting a phone number mm-hmm. in the air. So all of us pull out our phones. We flip them open because it's 2006. Yeah. So we've got our Nokia flip phones. We call the number because you still called numbers at that time. Then you hear a recording of a man being beaten by the Joker and like interrogated. Yeah, it was violent. It was ridiculously <laughs> violent. And he gave like some clues for some place you could go in San Diego. Did you and, do this instead of participating in Comic-Con? The yes. thing that you yes, paid I a did. lot of money for? Yes, I did, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and so it's me, my friend Jeremy, who I went to the Comic-Con with, and the two of us, and we're standing next to two guys who have a laptop and one of those like stupid front backpacks where you flip it open and you can look down at your laptop. Oh like, my god. Yeah, yeah. Well, we figured, like, if someone's looking up clues, these are the guys to hang with, right? <laughs> and they just have to be standing right next to us. So we started piecing together the clues, and we go, okay, I think we need to go here. I don't I don't remember where it was in San Diego. And we start walking, and I put my, like, there's a big crowd of people all moving around, so I didn't want to lose these guys. And I put my hand on one guy's shoulder, and then another hand lands on my shoulder and I hear, we're just going to go with these guys. This is our team. Yeah. And I look back and it's Attack of the Show on G-Force Kevin Pereira. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Kevin Pereira is touching my shoulder saying, this is my team. Real trusting of Kevin Pereira to not vet us. Yeah. Not, not make sure we were going to drop N-bombs on, on national television or whatever. So the- Kevin Pereira is on the phone with his, like, no, he's hosting. There's a camera crew on us. We are wandering through San Diego. And then we go into the Comic-Con building because we thought that one of the clues was telling us to go to a specific booth. And we were wrong. I got to tell you, so this was a huge, big old scavenger hunt. And we sucked ass. Mm-hmm. Team Attack of the Show came in dead last at this scavenger hunt. So and then I, everyone on on the on attack of the show was just like and it was marty's fault and then just your face blown up on the screen of like this guy sucks at args i mean kind of yeah yeah kind of yeah uh and i mean kevin Pereira, a great dude i spent most of my morning with him while his uh producer was on the phone trying to cheat and get like the answers <laughs> they told us hey come back later to the booth and you should show up on our on our uh show and so and we didn't. We decided not to do that. I don't want to go with these two weird strangers at Comic-Con who are probably going to harass Olivia Munn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we we skipped the, like, reunion later uh, and went back to our hostel and watched ourselves on television. Uh, our whole morning was boiled down to, like, 90-second feature of us sucking ass at a scavenger hunt. You somehow managed to waste your Comic-Con time, <laughs> which is hard to do. Yeah, no. Yeah. What would have the reward have been? Would it have been like, hey, it's me, a Heath Ledger du- double. Here's a gun. Let's go. Oh, I think. What was like, the reward? Let's go like, rob a fake bank. I I don't think Heath Ledger was there, but there was. I don't even remember he what the reward was. He was super dead at the time, probably. No, no. He was still alive. Oh, okay. Um. He didn't die for another two years. I don't remember what the what the reward was, because uh, I didn't get it. I think I think I think there were like movie props yeah. and like masks and stuff, whatever, like stuff that Warner Brothers felt okay giving away. And um, and not to not to be too obvious about it, but this whole thing, rather than being a, a rambling story, this was a clue. You just heard a clue, so you decode it. We'll make it make sense later. We'll get it in post. It's all clues now. Every time a clue happens on the show, you'll hear this noise. No, new. This is perfect. This fixes the podcast because when Everest does something that's not entertaining or funny, it's because it was a clue. Like whenever we eat shit, clue. You'll just hear this noise. What's the fucking noise gonna be? I don't know. I don't know. I'll figure it out later. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. So uh, I think Breaking Mayberry, ARG, jump on it. Save me and Marty from the evil AI or whatever it turns out to be. I don't know. We'll get it. We'll get it later. We'll probably get somebody to write it. Uh, So, episode. (laughs) All right. So, I want to talk about the conversation that you and I had 
about these episodes, right? Uh, so today I I learned that Dan and I have different approaches to things. Uh, I also learned that maybe I shouldn't watch these episodes while I'm at work, yeah. uh, while I'm doing my job, because I kind of like half-ass watched these in the background while I was doing my actual job. Uh, and I was pretty meh about both of these episodes. Mm-hmm. I was like, eh, these, these episodes that we're doing today of the Andy Griffith Show are both, they're fine, whatever, yeah. eh, eh. And then Dan texts me while he's listening or watching this episode and he says what is wrong with you yeah are you you are you okay are you okay how are you met about this why dan because one episode is like basically for this show i think record-setting misogyny and the other one heavily involves dog death like the mortality of dogs is a major plot point in the other but this is this rivals the father's daughter episode in terms of like sheer objectification of women so here's why i disagree and i'm gonna maybe this will make sense later with people listen but i think we need a refresher on what the barney meter stands for we need to like the barney meter is always how messed up is this episode and how gross are the lessons that were taken from it the episode we're about to talk about is chock full of misogyny you are correct however unlike the the farmer's daughter episode which i believe was called ellie saves a female unlike that the misogyny isn't the point like you you ask all the time whose side are we supposed to be on on this show yeah that's true and so barney does a bunch of sexisms but the show the episode does not say at any point Barney is correct in these sexisms. Like, you are supposed to laugh at Barney's sexisms and mock him for it. Yeah. Whereas other times, like, the show agrees with the sexisms and it's okay. Uh, So that's why I was kind of like, eh, about this. Because the Mm -hmm. Barney meter to me is not just, we saw an offensive thing on television. It's, we saw an offensive thing on television and the TV show wanted us to like it, wanted us to agree with it. Yeah. So that's why I don't care about this one. The other one is very much just about, like, will these dogs die? Will these Maybe. dogs fucking die? There's a pretty good chance. Um, like, I I do think, I, my, I not to get, like, a debate on this, but, like, there is also the thing of, like, when an opinion is wrong, but it's treated as acceptable, like, there's, like, it, it is, it's the equivalent of, like, if Ron Swanson went on Parks and Rec and said the N-word and everyone was like, Ron, you can't say the N-word. And he's like, shrug my shoulders. Yeah, like, the yeah. show is I disapproving mean- of it, but it's like also treating it as like an like an acceptable thing within the like w- within reality. Yeah, the, the show does not agree with Barney's sexisms. But it also doesn't condemn him for it. Yeah, exactly. So I see that. I see yeah, that. it's establishing that these things are not good, but acceptable. And it's like, yeah, sometimes your friend is gonna uh, is gonna think that women aren't people, and you know, it's just kind of a thing you deal with. Like we all know that guy that thinks women are objects and slaves. Um, but yeah, we should. We'll, we'll let's, let's we'll, talk about let's talk about the episode. Let's talk about the episode. Yeah. All right. So the episode we're actually talking about is. Season 3, episode 29, A Wife for Andy. Originally airs April 15th, 1963. Written by Aaron Rubin, that's a name I haven't seen before, and directed by Macaroni in a Pot, that's some wet A-word, P-word, Bob (laughs) S-word. Definitely, definitely did not murder his wife in 1986, Bob Sweeney. Uh, And here is your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney tries to set Andy up with a potential wife, having a crowd of puzzled single women come to Andy's home one evening. But Andy has his mind on Helen Crump. (laughs) It's the worst last name for a fucking love interest ever. It's a horrible last name. So we should should talk about Helen Crump for a brief second. Uh, Our audience has not met Helen Crump yet. Uh, Helen Crump is... Opie's school teacher. Uh, and the reason our audience hasn't met uh, Helen Crump yet is because we skipped the episode where Helen was introduced. Uh, we're going to do that next week with a special guest. But so Helen Crump is Opie's school teacher. Uh, the reason, according to the Ultra Reliable Mayberry Wiki, the reason why she has the worst name ever 
uh, is because she was never actually supposed to be like a recurring character. They just brought her on to be like, oh, the mean old school teacher, Mrs. Crump. <laughs> and uh, then it just came, they were like, oh, we got we got a fairly hot lady to do this. Make her Andy's love interest for the rest of the show. Uh, yeah. And she does. She stays around the rest of the show being Andy's off and on again love interest. Really? Which means, which means the entire purpose of this episode is to set up the Andy and Helen relationship. And Helen has, I counted, ten lines. <laughs> yeah. Ten lines total. Her And her lines are basically like, here I am. I am Helen. I yeah. exist. Goodbye. One of, those, one of those lines was, good evening. Yeah. I counted that as a line unto itself. <laughs> just Another just... line was, I think you're right. <laughs> I yeah. counted that as a line. She's just basically establishing that she is extant she's just like we'll get to literally anything about me later we'll we'll soak her back but look i have physical form i occupy space in reality she basically this entire episode is helen is a sentient being yeah you may woo her (laughs) and and in between that just nightmarish behavior by an absolute by our favorite psychopath uh let's get on into this shit shall we uh, oh, yeah. Speaking of our favorite psychopath, uh, our episode starts with everybody's tiniest, tiniest favorite psychopath, Opie, rolls in. <laughs> and he looks fucked up. Overdone makeup indicates that he's been fighting. There is literally, like, the the makeup person just put their hand in dirt and just dragged it across Opie's face. And it was just like, get the fuck out there. Like, <laughs> there are finger lines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he's been roughhousing with the other boys, so he's dirty, and he's his he skinned his knee, and his jeans are patched or his jeans are ripped. Uh, and Aunt B's like, or oh, Andy says, "Well, I guess I'm gonna have to clean you up because Aunt B's not home." Uh, he is unfazed by the fact that his son looks like he has been to fucking like been to battle. Like his his like clothes are shredded. He's like all tore up, and he's like ah. I'm not really gonna tell you you should have been doing that. Let's just let's just put some <laughs> some neosporin on your knee. Opie looks like the guy in the World War II movie where our heroes like come in after the battle has happened. Opie looks like the guy who's like, they came in so fast. <laughs> he we looks, never saw them coming. He looks like the guy that's in Saving Private Ryan who's wandering around with like ears ringing so he can't hear anything. <laughs> It looks absolutely fucked up. And Andy's not even like, dude, don't do that again. He's just like, okay. Which I actually kind of liked. No, yeah, I, I like this whole bit, right? And yeah. Andy, Andy's doing the quote-unquote motherly duty of just patching up his son. Uh, there's a little bit where like, Opie doesn't want to put uh, antiseptic on his knee, and Andy tells him, like, you you have to, otherwise you're going to have to go get a shot. It's a, it's a sweet little it's, scene. It's a fine little scene. Like, there's nothing, and maybe this is just, like, my 19, my, you know, me not having a 1960s brain. There's nothing overtly matronly or feminine about what Andy's doing. It's not like he's going to a bake sale and he has to make cupcakes or, or cookies or whatever yeah. uh, for this. At least, At least the gender politics would make sense there, right? Like not not agreeing with them, but saying like it would make sense if people judged Andy for that. But this yeah. is just him cleaning up, him uh, being like practical and doing yeah. first aid. Like, yeah. it is. It does kind of like accidentally illustrate just how impractical like traditional gender roles were, even like in the function of their own society. Because it's basically like, all right, your wife died. You base you are not allowed to do all the fucking stuff that the mom does without it being bad. So it's just like, like it just kind of do like, what if the fucking wife dies? Yeah. Like, and the dad like has to fucking give their kid first aid, and it's like, that's a mom thing, you piece yeah. of shit. Opie before he walks off says, "By the way, our teacher Miss Crump wants to see the mothers of all of the boys who were roughhousing." And I guess you'll have to go. And Barney has been standing in the background of this entire thing, glaring. Like, doing the most, like, judgmental fuck you expression the entire time. Like, increasingly shaking his head. 
before we get into that, I want to make a little note about the uh, the Andy Griffith set design people, mm-hmm. uh, because, again, watching this in high definition is interesting. On the wall in the back room, there are a couple of very familiar things, if you've been watching this. There is the newspaper clipping declaring Andy the best sheriff in the state of uh, <laughs> North Carolina, which is just tacked on there without a frame. Just put up there with, like, some sticky tape. Like it's a Scarface poster on a dorm room wall. Yeah. Feels like the kind of thing you would buy a frame for. And then the other one is just pictures of shotgun shells. No, there is one. You're right. There is one of the pictures of shotgun shells. But above, above that, and I saw this, is the Mayberry crime pattern chart from the episode where a guy tried to put together a statistical list of Mayberry's crime patterns and realized that Andy was lying about his arrest. Yeah. Andy was just like, well, we got rid of that whippersnapper. Here's the evidence of my wrongdoing. Gonna put it up on the fucking wall. Like it's a, like it's an inspection letter. It's, it's very much he's giving you the clues to how he did it. Yeah, yeah. It's a clue. And if you look in the background, you might see some things. <laughs> the oh. noise. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, and then there's just a picture of shotgun shells, and it's just like, here's what a shotgun shell looks like. It's very weird set it's design. So weird. All right, let's 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 talk about this scene. Um, it is, I, like, I counted the amount of times where if someone said these words to me, I would become, like, physically violent, and it was, like, eight. Uh, he oversteps grossly to the point of just, like, openly insulting his friend and like calling him basically like less of a man for being single. I didn't hate this scene as much as you do. In fact, I kind of liked this scene, right? Barney is being super judgmental, but he comes out and says like, how long are you going to keep doing this? How long are you going to keep pretending to be uh, Opie's mom and his dad? And he's badgering him to get married. And he's saying on and on, like, you need to find someone and settle down. And, like, I I understand the issues with them. But it also, to me, felt like a um, felt like a realistic overstepping of the bounds, like like advice I would give to you. But this this, this is a good friend episode, right? I, I mean, he's not putting it in like nice terms. He's not like, hey, man, you like Opie needs a mom. You need, uh, you, you need some companionship. You gotta go back out there. He's like, you're doing girl stuff, man. Like, you're out there being a mom, being a lady, and every second you don't have a wife, you're ladying it up, doing chick shit. I don't, no, no, that I don't think is, it's that bad. Is, yeah. Oh, we, we, we will go back to the tape on this, but I think after the initial, like, you can't be mom and dad, it's more just like, Unmarried men, especially those who have been married before, they get very irritable. Life starts to wear them down. Unmarried men can't serve. It's really more just like you, you're going to die because you don't have a wife. Yeah. That's really more of what it is. It's, it's, not, it's not super just like stop doing girl shit. It's- That's what I thought. And, and, and to be clear, the entire time this is happening, right, uh, Andy immediately says, don't fucking do this. Uh, Barney says, fine, you don't want to do this? We're not going to do this. And he turns his head, he turns his back to the camera and says, all I'm saying is, and he keeps, like, going on and on. Andy's face gets madder and madder. It's it's one of the better acting moments for for Andy Griffith himself. The anger is just seething off of him until finally he snaps and tells Barney to shut up. And Barney's like, haha, see, you're being irritable. That's the joke. If you did any of this, you said like, oh, this is like a reasonable friend intervention. I wouldn't talk to you anymore. <laughs> if someone did any of this to me, I'd be like, I'm not going to talk to you for at least like three months. And then we'll follow up from there. I'm not saying that it is reasonable. I'm saying it's realistic. I'm saying it's understandable. Yeah. Like I can, I can see this kind of interaction happening between like a friend who is well-meaning, but pushy. He then Andy like explains himself on the grounds of like, hey, I I super want a wife. I get really lonely. I haven't found a person that I want to marry because you know it's marriage. And so like Andy's just like, yeah, man, I'm 
I'm like in no rush. I'm definitely looking at my own pace. He's had like eight girlfriends over the course of the show so far. Yeah. Like, again, again, the immediate response should be like, you're cheating on your girlfriend constantly. Yeah. Ma- go marry your fucking girlfriend, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. This is this is one of the episodes where Barney conveniently acts like he's in a long term committed monogamous relationship when just like two episodes ago we saw thumbelou go go fuck other women i don't give a shit yeah it's like it's that like super condescending thing of like when your friend is in a relationship it's like well we gotta find you a lady like because you're unable to it's- to be to be fair barney has does, does not have a kid and he does that's yeah. kind of where barney's coming from like you have a kid you gotta have a woman in the house, which was the entire purpose of Aunt B. Yeah. Like, he literally brought someone for this to, like, help so, out. So weird about the character of Aunt B is I'm going to say a full 60% of what she does is leave. Yeah. <laughs> a full 60% of episodes involving Aunt B involve them making up excuses for Aunt B to not be there. Yeah. Because if Aunt B were there, there would be no plot. The Andy Griffith show started with Aunt B showing up and being like, she can cook chicken. And then, yeah, like half the episodes are just like, they no longer have Aunt B's chicken. Whatever will they do? It's their most compelling trial as a show. You know, it, it's so weird. If this was a modern day sitcom, I feel, I feel like Aunt B should take the uh, the Wilson role in Home Improvement, right? Like Andy messes something up with Opie and then Aunt B gives him advice or maybe maybe vice versa. It feels like the entire unit should have been about Aunt B, Opie and Andy learning to live together. Yeah. Like in a full house situation. And then every once in a while, Barney Fife Kimmy Gibblers his way into the situation. And that is not what happened at all. Ampy's absence is basically the Moriarty of this show. Like she is, Ampy not being there is Andy's nemesis. In fact, in fact, I'm going to give a shout out to my girlfriend's mom for for a moment. Uh, I was having a conversation because I went to uh, Sarah's mom's house for a little bit to see her family. Uh, and without knowing that I did this podcast, she started talking about the Andy Griffith show and she started realize, she said, wow, I was watching two and a half men the other day and I flipped the channel and I saw the Andy Griffith show and I realized they're the same show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the similarities the, are there. The, the, inherit, are there. the inheritor of, of the Andy Griffith show is probably fucking two and a half men if we're being real. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely two men and a stern older woman are raising a child together, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it feels like if this was a modern day sitcom, it would be two and a half men. After Andy gives this, like, it basically vulnerable explanation of why he hasn't found a wife. Uh, Barney is like, in all of Mayberry, you haven't found one woman that you want to settle down with. So basically calls him a liar and is like, bullshit. You can't find anybody in this town. Um, And Andy tells him to shut up again. And Barney's specific thing is like, well, since I've made my point clear, I guess it's okay for me to shut up. So like, he's being a huge fucking asshole. And well, later later on, he's almost proven a little bit right because it, Barney's whole thing is like, Andy will not go out and find someone for himself. Andy will not make this effort on his own, even though we've seen him do he that super exact has. thing several times. Barney believes that unless somebody is like pushing them together, Andy's not going to do it. But Which except be... Andy super does. He yeah. meets the teacher on his own, pursues her on on his own. Uh, Against active interference. We've seen him do it multiple times. He yeah. seems, like everyone else, we forget that Andy had a girlfriend all throughout season one and has had two other girlfriends in between there. I think we've definitively proven that uh, Barney is an asshole during this whole thing. Yeah. Um, I think I think we all agree. Um, so, so later on, back at home, that's the next scene. They're back at Opie's, or Andy and Opie's house. And yes, Aunt B has to have an excuse to leave because otherwise this episode makes no sense. Uh Aunt B's like, okay, Clara's sick, so I have to go over there so I won't be home. 
And I guess she's going to stay forever because it's yeah. the only way that any of this makes sense. Well, <laughs> it's The explanation is Clara tried to pick up an entire stove and absolutely fucked up her back. Yeah, she's got a hernia or something. Like. Yeah, she like threw out her back trying to lift a heavy appliance. An appliance that is heavy now, God knows how much that fucking thing weighed back in the 60s. Yeah. Annie starts to read Opie a book. Uh, it's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Good, good reading material. Good uh, story to read right before you send your kid to bed. That's not a, that's not a recipe for nightmares. Opie's a little badass, though. He can fucking handle that. Yeah, sure. That is, that is the, the coal that Andy puts into Opie's angry heart to make him such a strong fighter on the playground. Andy is like, I gotta give you nightmares that you can unleash them upon your friends. I gotta make you tough. The doorbell rings. There's a young woman named Amanda who was invited to Andy's house by Thelma Lou. He opens the door. He's like, hey, Amanda, what are you doing here? And Amanda's like, Thelma Lou told me to meet her, her here. And Andy takes this very well in stride. He's just like, okay. I guess someone is inviting, uh, is coming over my house and inviting other people to my house without consulting me in any way. That seems fine. And also, Amanda is like, oh, uh, a female friend invited me to someone else's, uh, someone else's house and she's not here. I'll come in. This definitely isn't like I'm about to be fucking murdered. This isn't the opening scene of like a USA murder show. They know each other. And that's something I want to say is key is for the rest of this. Remember, Andy knows all of these people. Yes. <laughs> Because there's a a bit where Andy keeps trying to sit down and read the story to to Opie, and like twelve women come and keep ringing his doorbell. It's fucking ridiculous. It's basically the next five minutes is Andy tries to read Sleepy Hollow. Another woman comes to the door. He lets them in. Starts to read Sleepy Hollow. Another woman comes in. They all sort of form this mass congregation. Just start immediately having like a rollicking conversation. Like, not at all phased that they've all been invited to the same meeting in a stranger's house, not like, knowing. Like they're being assembled to kill Superman or rob a casino? Like, yeah. Like, I would 100% be like, are we being initiated to a secret society? Uh, honestly, if this happened today, I would probably be like, oh, damn it, it's an orgy. I got tricked into coming to an orgy. Like, the, the amount of secrecy is fucking terrifying. Ah, uh, damn it, I got tricked into an orgy. The Dan Ludwig story. Oh, they're about to start handing out robes and masks, and it's just like, oh, damn it! If, if the orgy starts going and you're like, the guy's like, should I go? <laughs> if I if I start taking this off, it's gonna really pump the brakes on the whole vibe here. Should yeah. I? Yeah. Do you guys want, I, I could go to the 7-Eleven. Y'all, y'all probably gonna want, need some snacks and probably some Powerade? I I'm not I don't really have an orgy in me this week, but I could like I could like um like show for show for the orgy a little bit, like make sure everyone's hydrated, support someone's hips if they're like having trouble, be there in case anyone gets a Charlie horse. I'm more of an orgy facilitator than a participant. Dan Ludwig orgy concierge. <laughs> just like call plays just be like are you guys done um uh the redhead over there and uh and that guy they're they just finished up so you can just kind of like like swap in let's keep this thing moving keep this going keep it going we all have places to be so like we should stay on schedule you're just drawing up up plays fucking (laughs) phil jackson the triangle kind of thing the the basketball team gets this gymnasium like at eight thirty sharp, so we do need to keep it moving. Does, uh, does he, we need origin slices? Hey 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 hey! Mask on, mask on. <laughs> no I mean one the need, pagan one. No one needs to know your identity, Toby. I mean whoever you are. Boy, this bit keeps going. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> The women congregate. Andy is like, I need to call Thelma Lou and find out what the fuck is happening and why there's a goddamn flash mob happening in my living room. Um, also, all the women, like, at first Amanda is very polite. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll just be quiet and not bother you. And then once, like, there are eight women there, they're all like, fuck that child's bedtime story. That child can eat shit. I need to talk to Beth about shit I saw today. By the way, I just want to point out, it's still so weird every time. It's like 9 p.m. and Andy is still in his uniform. Yeah. Change clothes, dude. 
it after a certain point it's a onesie like it stops being a uniform and turns into pajamas all right my friend i am going to go back to season one where i said it looked like andy had a police onesie and you mocked me for like 10 minutes yeah nope i've been i i apologize uh you you are vindicated it looks like a fucking onesie Thank you. <laughs> um, so then Barney comes in the back door, and if you defend the following lines, I cannot, I no, have to no, distance zero, myself from you. Zero defense for this. Again, I am not defending it. I am also just pointing out that the show does not defend it. Barney comes in and he says, what do you think? Did you get a good look at all of them? And he's like, what? And he's like, I hand selected them. I brought them out. I want you to give them a look over, see which ones you like, and then we'll invite those ones back for the next one. And then you can whittle it down and select your wife. Uh, like, they're a fucking mail order catalog. Like, he's it's, not like... It's get- basically The Bachelor. Barney basically comes up with the concept for The Bachelor. No! Worse than The Bachelor, because The Bachelor, he's like, I'm going to talk with these girls, ride jet skis with these girls, have off-screen sex with these girls. And Barney is just like, you did the right thing by not talking to any of them. Let's look. Like, just stare at them. Decide which one's bone structure you like the most, and we'll get her. I'll fig- I'll remember what her name is, and we'll get this going. He's not like, get out there and mingle, buddy. He's like, peer at them from the kitchen, from I- behind a closed door. The-, the Bachelor concept only works if, A, all of the women know what they're there for, uh, and B, all of the women are strangers. Remember, Andy knows all of these people. He knows them by name. They are in his community. He's met them. It's not like he's like, oh, never noticed you before, Amanda. This is a person that he's like had numerous interactions with. So like if he wanted to date them, he could have dated them by now. (laughs) Well, Amanda, I never realized how attractive you are when you're interrupting my child's bedtime story. (laughs) This new light has made me realize I love you. Also, where are all of these, like, young unmarried women coming from in Mayberry? A town who has a medium age of, like, 78, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Like, all of Mayberry consists of just, like, astoundingly hot women and then, like, hog farmers. Yeah. Who are just, like, a sentient pair of overalls. Yeah. It's... It's a very weird, it's like they have a gated community of attractive young women, and then there's just, like, farmhands, like, clawing at the gates all day. It's literally just, like, Brie Larson's and John Goodman's, as far as the eye can see. (laughs) Uh, In a way, aren't we all a Brie Larson or a John Goodman in our heart? Inside of you are two actors. (laughs) One is Brie Larson, one is John Goodman. The one that lives... Is John Goodman. He, it's John Go- it's he gonna could be John easily Goodman. take free It does not matter which one you feed. It's gonna be John Goodman. And you just need to make peace with that. Barney proposes his insane, like, mail-order wife catalog. And Andy just says, get those girls out of there. Andy is great at playing angry. Oh, yeah. It's like the angriest he's been on the show in a while. And he just says, like, over and over, get them girls out of out of there. Get them girls out of there. And Barney says, I'm doing this because I'm your best friend and I want to make you happy. And Andy just like keeps repeating, get them girls out of there. I can see why you're like, I need a uh, stubborn, self-righteous uh, lawyer kind. Get me Andy Griffith. I can see why you would put him in that role. <laughs> yeah. Assuming that's what he does in the show. Again, yeah, we... I, we've never seen Matlock. We'll probably we, have to watch it. I'm going point. mostly off of Simpsons quotes. Barney blows his whistle to get all of the women's attention. And then says, Thelma Lou called you here because she was going to speak to you on a subject of interest to all of you. But she can't make the meeting, so we'll readjourn later. Thank you all for your attendance. To which none of the women said, what the fuck are you talking about? I think I need you to show me Thelma Lou right now (laughs) so I can make... Do you have a picture of Thelma Lou holding a copy of today's newspaper? Like, that is... The shiftiest thing a human being can possibly say to you. (laughs) But all these women are just like, that's suspicious. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. None of them are like, okay, well, tell Thelma Lou that she wasted my fucking Thursday night. I could have done literally anything other than this. Like, the only reasonable response is like, oh, Thelma Lou was going to be here. I'm going to her house right fucking now to make sure you haven't cut her head off. And if her head is still attached to her body, yell at her. Yeah, yeah. 
It feels like it feels like Thelma Lou is gonna get a phone call. Which was she aware of this? One hundred percent, no. Yeah, it, it it doesn't get brought up ever again because the next scene, where guess what? We're on the next scene now, everyone. Uh, the next scene is Thelma Lou and Barney like walking out of the grocery store or whatever. They're getting in Thelma Lou's car, and a woman says, "Hey, Thelma Lou," and Barney's like, "Who's that? Who's that?" <laughs> and he pulls he pulls a notebook out of his pocket and he's creating a list of women that Thelma Lou knows that might be right for Andy and. This is where Thelma Lou's like, that's weird, bro. You shouldn't do that. How, after all of the stuff that Barney has done to Thelma Lou's friend group, honestly, how does she still have friends? Like, I've, if it was like, oh, you don't want to be friends with Thelma Lou, a weird little guy is going to come up, poke your face, and inspect your gums to make sure that you're a suitable mate for one of his friends. Like... Like, oh, yeah, just this little shrimp is going to do, like, some light eugenics on you, and it's going to be a whole thing. Uh, don't, don't, don't go over her house. Like, I don't care how good the coffee is. He starts, like, checking out and ranking the women that she's friends with. She's like, she's a little young, but she, she, she'll do just fine. Basically Which, again, says, we have seen before, does not matter. <laughs> yeah. And just, like, basically says, like, oh, yeah, that friend of yours is hot. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Fucking deeply creepy um calls another one uh old thelmalu is like she's fucking married i think part of the reason why i was so like la-di-da and nonplussed by these episodes is because and i realize this is probably the originator of the trope but we've seen this before right we've seen many episodes of many sitcoms where uh, a friend is just like interfering in their friend's love life. And it's like, here are all of these girls. Here are all yeah. these people. Like there's at least there's multiple episodes of new girl that are about that, you know? Um, and this is probably where the trope came from. This is one of those times when you have to understand, like, even if the show isn't necessarily always good, every show you have ever enjoyed was influenced by this show. There's two things. Because Thelma Lou sums up the argument against what Barney's doing, and it says, what you are doing is not a good way to find a wife. It's a good way to to put together a softball team. That's And that's like what is vindicated at the end. And it's not like, hey, man, what you're doing is creepy and, objecti- and, je- and objectification. It's like, hey, man. This isn't a practical way to find a wife. This is this inefficient. Work. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, and there are a lot, there have been instances of, like, Barney tries to find Andy a wife on the show before. And it's usually like, hey, I'm going to show up at your house with a lady. She's not a good fit. Here you go. Oh, no, you had an awkward date. Goodbye. And this is just like, I've rounded up women, much like cattle. Inspect them. Look upon their faces. Decide which one you want to put your face on. Touch them. Touch them. <laughs> go and just go ahead and touch them. See how soft they are. Do you, do you want to know about their skin? I can find out what their moisturizing routines are. Like, can I, can I do a uh, can I do a goof from the ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki? Uh, oh, one that is goofs. one that is extremely uh, like magic xylophone kind of voice. <laughs> In this episode, Barney invites all the single girls in Mayberry to Andy's house, not once, but two different times, supposedly to meet Thelma Lou. All of the girls show up at Andy's front door, and I'll, there you go, and all of them entered the door from the right side, never passing in front of the screen door and the steps to Andy's porch area, which is on the left side. Is- so, either Andy moved his steps for this episode, or all of these girls were jumping up on the porch from the right. <laughs> I hope Bob Sweeney got fired for that one. <laughs> That's so much worse than doing it like as a thing from fucking Star Trek or literally anything else. Because it's the Andy Griffith show. The Andy Griffith show doesn't give nearly that much of a shit about There's continuity. Zero continuity in this show. And these fucking nerds are throwing a fit that people entered a doorframe from the left instead of the right. Yeah. Like... And it's not even, like, that fucking interesting. Like, no! Like, like, it's not like, oh, Darth Vader's lightsaber hand changed or something. It's just like, oh, Andy's uh, two-floor house doesn't totally stay consistent. 
It's not even like, we've been like, hey, have you guys noticed that Andy's house fucking teleports around town all the goddamn time? Have you noticed that? We've done our share of this. Have you noticed that it's inconsistent whether or not Barney owns a car or is related to Andy by blood? Yeah, yeah. We've done our more than our fair share of this, but this shit right here, are you fucking kidding me? What if, like, that's our dark future? We're like, if we keep going down this road, we're eventually going to be like, in the last episode, Andy's couch was uh, was upholstered. In this one, it's a completely different pattern. Like, <laughs> like, it's like a moment where we travel forward to meet future Marty and Dan, and yeah. future Marty and Dan are just like frame by frame, like the fucking Zaprooter film. Look how the how the lamp moves over the course of these two scenes. <laughs> we've we've wrecked you, Andy Griffith Show. We've reduced you to rubble. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to start doing it in an effort to be free. Like, if we, if maybe if we break this show, we can escape. Uh, Because we're looking for the clues that will free us from, yeah, from the show. Almost as as if we were in some sort of premise that required audience participation. As there, as Barney is uh, ranking women, uh, Andy starts, like, Barney says, Oh, well, if I just left Andy to his own devices, he wouldn't do anything about it. He, he, he'll he just stay a lonely man, which is immediately contradicted by the fact that Andy is walking past with his, uh, uh, with the teacher, Miss Crump, to, like, to, like, discussing Opie, but they're being, like, real friendly and, like, kind of flirting a little bit. And, and, and uh, Barney just goes, of course, it's the most logical choice. Opie's teacher. It's like, it doesn't, I kind of want him to, like, say the follow-up logic behind that because i bet it's going to be just like just absolutely hair whitening and he doesn't yeah he doesn't so barney just says like i'm going to intervene and help them along um which cut to the jail where andy is like oh thelma lou just invited me to dinner i wonder why and Barney is just like, no, raise it. Like just extremely shifty. There's a really great tracking shot of Andy just like, like being suspicious of Barney as he walks out the door where like the camera circles around Andy. I think it's like one of the best directorial moves in the show so far. So the next thing it's at Thelma Lou's house. Um, Andy arrives. Barney is like super manic. <laughs> like he's being really sweaty and or- overly formal and just like, I like, don't I don't understand why everyone's in a suit right now. Like maybe yeah. maybe this is a 1960s thing like if you're going over for like yeah. Sunday dinner you got dressed up in your best or whatever. But like this is this is your best friend's house. Or no, it's your best friend's girlfriend, I guess. Uh, I mean, you're just going to hang- why is everyone in a suit? I think it was just fun to wear suits back then. I think you were just kind I think it wasn't like, well, I have to wear a suit. It's like, oh hell yeah, I get to wear a suit today. Alright. Like, I think, which I don't understand because every time I've been in a suit, I've been like, I cannot wait to get out of this. I am both, I am hot and I can't move my arms very good. Well, that's because you're poor. Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm just gonna say, like, it's because you're wearing a cheap suit. Wearing, like, an expensive, like, well-made suit fucking rules. I have had both of my suits since, like, high school. So that's it Is it it one of your dad's old suits? Because I have that, that same deal. I think they were i think at least one of them was bought for my prom uh (laughs) (laughs) i think i i I think i have worn the suit for my prom as as an adult man uh yeah wow that's it i should probably go suit shopping after this probably go suit shopping man yeah 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 Um, you're almost 30 yes i am yes i am i forgot that you need to occasionally buy new clothes Uh, okay you know what though i mean not anymore like, yeah, that's true. I don't know. I'm probably not going to need to use a suit until like 2022. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm giving you shit right now, but I don't know that I own a full suit anymore. So they're all in fucking suits. Barney is just annoying. He overdoes everything. You can kind of see it's it's a scene they've done before. Andy um sees Miss Crump uh, is like, oh hey, it, she's like, my name is Helen. I exist. Here's proof that it. It's just her telling, announcing that she does in fact exist. Again, and- one of, one of the lines is, good evening. Yes, I think you're right. Okay. Yeah, this is where where uh, she gets a majority of her fucking work. Uh, it's the only other scene she's in. 
Yeah, it's fucking crazy. And it, she's only in this one scene and like a split second of the last scene. The the introduction of apparently the final love interest of this show is primarily Barney explaining the concept of a love interest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it, 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 yes. They've, done this, they've done this bit a thousand times where it's like, Barney interjects himself in the conversation, tries to help it along, and in the process makes it stilt, uh, stilted and uncomfortable. Oh, my. I, he does this super annoying thing where, uh, like, a person will say something, and then Barney will turn to somebody else who's in the room, and I'm like, did you hear that? They said that thing. And yeah. I know, and I know that's super annoying because my girlfriend's family does it. Really? That's an actual practice? Mm-hmm. Can you put this, can you include this in the podcast? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. They're I mean, never like, going to listen to it. Yeah. Fucking, they like, is that like a mid, is this a Midwestern thing or like a Southern thing? I don't, you know what's funny is I think a lot of, uh, because of shows like the Andy Griffith show, I think a lot of Southernisms have just been grow like adapted into ruralisms. Yeah. You know? Um, is it like, it's like, maybe it's like conversational hype manning, like, like, you're just having a conversation, and it's probably boring as shit, so somebody just has to go like, Oh, he said he had soup for dinner! Did you guys hear that? Fuck yeah! Like, you just have to, like, really amp up all casual information you give at each other. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's really more like, uh, oh, it took us it took us a couple hours to get here, and then, oh yeah, it's a bit of a drive. Did you hear that, Mom? It took them a couple hours to get here. Oh yeah, that's a bit of a drive. You just gotta get all the fuck. It's you gotta get all the fucking mileage you can out of over conversation. Over and over again. Like I'm originally from Albuquerque, but I lived in Florida for a couple of years. This motherfucker <laughs> lived in Florida for a couple of years. You guys hear that? Albuquerque to Florida. Hey Steve, Steve, what's, Albuquerque, what's Florida. Really, what's really fun is that sometimes they'll get the details wrong when they retell it. <laughs> it's like, awesome. Like, oh, this guy went from Alabama to Florida. That's not that big of a change. <laughs> Actually, it was uh, it was Albuquerque. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, anyway. I, that is infuriating that this is actually realistic. Because I was watching it, I was like, who could possibly find this amusing? And people were like, oh, this is holding a mirror up to my real life. <laughs> this is what it feels like when people do that to me. Oh, uh. God. God, life is such a nightmare. And you, uh, you're going to, you're going to, we're going to put this in and it's going to be the one episode that Sarah's family listens to. They're going to be like, Marty, after your visit, I was so, I wanted to be supportive. So I wanted to listen to your podcast only to hear that apparently you think that we repeat you too much. I'm sorry for being excited about your life. You're never welcome back here to the Midwest. The entire Midwest is banned from you. Oh no. <laughs> You better stay out of Iowa. We're everywhere. We have eyes everywhere. Uh, life is cruel. Uh, uh okay. Right. So, so, um, so they all sit down. Barney's doing this weird speed bump conversation thing. Um, and then it turns into outright hostility. Helen, uh, reveals that she can't cook a leg of lamb or anything from that matter. To which Barney responds, fuck you. Fuck you. What are you supposed to do for your husband, you bitch? You selfish bitch. And Andy's like, dude, she's she works really hard. She can't like she doesn't have time to like learn how to cook. It's a thing that only some no, people know how to do. It's, and Bart It's not endearing at all. No. Right? Especially when uh when Barney's like trying to like make up for it. He goes, Well, I'm sure that when you get married or something, you'll uh you'll you'll spend more time at home, right? And then Helen's like, no, probably not. I'll probably keep my job. I like teaching. And Barney responds just like angry, just furious. Like, you mean you're not going to give up your job? Yeah. Woman? She says like, I don't think I'm ever going to learn how to cook a leg of lamb. And Barney's just like, well, then what's the point of you? And uh, look, we say this a lot, but I don't understand how Thelma Lou does not dump his ass on the spot. Yeah. Like, I do not. This is, this is a like reddit relationships thread just waiting to happen we are we're always xylophone guying a little bit but it is also just like it's again it's that like ron swanson thing of like the goofy character does still establish like what is acceptable in some way it's that overton window shit like what is acceptable how is it acceptable to be wrong and this is like 
no, no, no. This isn't a, this is like some form of an abusive relationship. This is like nightmarish behavior. It is, is, it is, it is abominably wrong. And the show treats it like, oh, wackily wrong. Yeah. He's not Teddy from fucking Bob's Burgers. Yeah. (laughs) He's pre-serial killer. They, they treat it with the same, like, respect and reverence that they treat Barney mispronouncing a word. Yeah. It's the same deal. Yeah, it's like, these are all warning signs. Like, if you observed a character behaving this way, you'd be like, we need to start making preparations for whatever the fuck he's about to do. Like, getting Thelma Lou the fuck out of that relationship, protecting Andy. I don't fucking know. Like, making sure he doesn't kidnap Opie because he needs a real man to raise him. I don't fucking know. Barney then decides that they're going to serve an uncooked dinner to make... Helen leave because this entire night is a wash. Yeah, he pulls he pulls Thumbaloo into the kitchen and is like, "Hey, this isn't this is a failure. Screw this. Let's just serve the dinner and get and get out of here and get them get it over with." And Thumbaloo's like, "I don't think the dinner is done." And Barney's like, "I don't care." So, <laughs> so and then and that's and that's the end of the scene. Like again, another show would have made like the would have stretched this out a little bit. The dinner would have been the episode. No, not the Andy Griffith show. The Andy Griffith show can't have the love interest like go into double digits with the lines. So there's no thing after that of Andy being like, hey, man, it was super weird when you served us uncooked pasta. Like, I was not a fan when you made me eat that partially defrosted chicken. Like, he's just like, well, you know, this is just life. Sometimes your friend freaks out. And just serves you inedible food. In fact, the very next scene is uh, Andy walking into the jail the next day, shaking Barney's hand and saying, thank you. I had a great time last night. Those ribs that you didn't uh, that you didn't cook all the way gave me severe diarrhea. But (laughs) other than that, it was a rousing success. Yeah, apparently he was just like. He was like, I, I took Helen, I took Miss Crump, I walked her home, got a little bit more acquainted with her. We both shit our brains out <laughs> for three hours because we ate raw lamb. But then, It was a real bonding experience, honestly. Yeah, talking about how severe our food poisoning was really brought us together. I hallucinated, she vomited, we compared those experiences. <laughs> we bonded over what a fucking asshole you are. No, none of that. None of that. Uh, in fact, Andy's just like, man, I really like Helen. I spent a lot. Of, I spent some time with her. Barney screams at him. Barney's like, you can't like her. <laughs> I forbid it. I forbid it. <laughs> yeah. Again, another point where I would have just been like, fucking get away from me. Uh, although I say that about this show all the fucking time. Uh, we're we're cra- trapped in a hell of repetition. Yeah, he he. Becomes, like, outwardly hostile. Tells, says that because she cannot cook, she is of no value to him. And he is not allowed to date her. Um, and, and he's like, well, I have a fucking date for tonight, so suck it. Um, which ends with one of the weirdest fucking moves. Alright, Barney does the invite a billion girls over thing again. Um, yes. It's real fast. Andy's at his house preparing for the date. Amanda comes in, another girl comes in, Andy just kind of, like, stands there and watches it happen. Um, Barney comes in through the back door, and Andy's like, dude, I have a date in a second, what the fuck are you doing? And Barney's like, I'm sorry, but you forced my hand, I had to do this. When Helen comes over, she's going to see 20 women here, and assume you're dating all of them, and then she's going to not want to date you. And Andy's like... I'm going over to her house, actually, and not like, what the fuck does that even mean? Again, again, everyone gets irritated at Barney, not because of the horrible batshit logic behind his plans, but because his plans are ineffective. Barney's plan is insane because Helen is going to come in and just be like, oh, Helen, I'm sorry, I forgot I had an orgy scheduled for the same day. Or like, oh, Helen, I'm so sorry. I forgot to tell you, I have a harem. Oh, no. My orgy concierge really dropped the ball on this guy. I should have gone with Dan Ludwig. (laughs) I'm going to start that business. Dan Ludwig orgy concierge. Highly reviewed on Yelp. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the top orgy concierge in the tri-state area. 
are your orgies going like this and then infomercial of like <laughs> just, just, like, just like a black and white of like some guy rubbing his junk on a wall yeah. and some some woman just like making out with a bookshelf <laughs> Cutie Dan Ludwig, orgy concierge to the stars. <laughs> My services include snacks, refreshments, pre-orgy workouts, <laughs> yoga. I'll, I'll keep you limber and hydrated the entire time. Play calling, and it's just like me with a blackboard, like doing X's and circles, moving like. Like Steve, you're gonna go over here, and you're gonna do butt stuff after that. <laughs> <laughs> Like Helen's gonna roll in, and Andy's gonna be like, "I am so sorry to, I'm so sorry, I forgot to tell you, I'm actually the Sultan of Brunei, and here, here's my my fucking harem. I, it completely slipped my mind. Do you want to like join or we can like, we can get you in the rotation? Let me just consult with the rest of the bullpen here. Uh, we're really gonna need a relief pitcher in the fourth. <laughs> It's the most batshit plan that is never called out. No. Uh, <laughs> instead, instead, again, Andy's just like, nah, dude, I'm going to her house. Like, you didn't think about that? Bye. Yeah. And he tells him to get these women out of his house again. Uh, and finally, uh, his uh, Barney's excuses. Have you ever thought about starting a softball team? Which, again, poorly thought out plan, because even if Andy hadn't like gone out for his date how did barney see this concluding other than these women be like what the fuck did you bring me here for like andy wasn't going to come out and be like samantha i choose you and all of them would be like this makes sense that you brought me here there's not a rose ceremony waiting for anyone it's like the show the bachelor that will be invented many decades from now like they were always going like any, there's no version of events that don't end with a room full of people going like, Barney, what the fuck did you do? And also, Thelma Lou should really hide her, her address book. She really needs to stop letting him get into that. And then it cuts to the stinger. Um, Barney starts to apologize. Say, like, I overstepped. I should have listened to you. Um, Andy is like, it's okay. I'm going to start courting Helen. I want her to be my girlfriend. And Barney is like, ha, I didn't learn shit. And I ref- I forbid you from dating her still. Nothing has been learned. Wah, wah, wah. And then that's it. That's the episode. Yeah. Uh, bad. <laughs> <laughs> In summation, bad. <laughs> should, should we assign some values to this? Some point values? Um, yeah. So Andy Meter, um. This episode that's... isn't very good. Like, it's. I. In between all the bad stuff, I can't really think of a bit that was funny. Like, I, I chuckled, I laughed at the, like, antic. The, I'm not going to say antics, but I laughed at, laughed at the one antic of all the women rushing into Andy's house as he tries to read a story. Like, yeah, it's it's one of those things the show does where, like, they come up with a thing that would be weird that they want to see, and then they build an episode around making that make sense. And the thing they clearly came up with was like, hey, what if a bunch of ladies walked into Andy's living room and they were like, ladies there, and he was like trying to read a story? Yeah, that'd that, be weird. That's the other thing, right? Is that that that's a perfectly fine way to write television. It's just like, I here's my joke, here's my big moment, and I want to get to that moment. But the moment they build around is never that interesting. It's always just like, what if there were women in a room? There. What what if there were old women and they were a little drunk? Like, yeah, there's one case where that move is paid off, and it's when Andy was like, if you shoot this goat in the head, it'll explode. <laughs> Only time that's paid off. And most of the time, it's just like, what if someone wore a kind of funny hat? <laughs> Ooh. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, so this episode sucked ass, because it was mostly, like, during the rewatch, I was like, uh... Like, there's always, you. Can, I can kind of tell how bad the episode is when I'm just like, I don't have to do notes for this part. It's just like, thing, thing, thing. Even the big set piece isn't that good. It's mostly just like, like, this happens and 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 done. Um, so yeah, Andy Meter 3. Like, like 2. Yeah. Uh, um, And Barney Meter. I'm gonna 
I'm gonna put it at a ten. You you give out those Barneys way too heavily. I do. I think. Okay, yeah. So you do make the good point that it's not actually advocating. It's not advocating but, for this. It's but you also normalizing make, it. Yeah, you make the good point that it's also not actively condemning or punishing for it. So yeah, um, I'm gonna say seven. So that's I. We're, I know we promised you a uh, a dog murder episode. Nope. Should clarify: No dogs are actually murdered in this episode. Uh, I don't think we're going to get to it. Um, the next episode is like it's about dogs. I guess you got that to look forward to. Um, actually, going to go to the American History episode, then the dog episode. Whatever, you don't care about any of this. As always, uh, you can find us on the internet I, at Break Mayberry on Twitter. Uh, Breaking Mayberry on Instagram, Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry. On Twitter, I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Luds, two Ds. And should we just, like, drop some more, like, ARG clues? I feel like we just need as many in there. Three, six, two, three, three, four, nine? Just, like, something like that? Yeah, okay, that works. Um, we, th- we're giving ourselves a lot of work, but um, I think we can... Um, I'll put like an, a thing up on Craigslist for someone that's good at making stuff like this. We'll figure it out. Fucking shit. Uh, the music you heard before and after this was uh, made by Max Ludwig, who is on Twitch as at Sleep Talkie. If you want to support us with your money dollars, for some reason, you can get to us at patreon.com slash breaking Mayberry. If not, you could always give us a rating and a review. That would be nice. Y'all stay safe and we'll see you all down at the fishing hole. A boo. Bum 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 b